Hi, Tiffany here. Just want to let you know that we're going to be giving away a copy of the book featured on this episode. So visit our Instagram page at the Bittersweet Life Podcast to find out how you can win. This is The Bittersweet Life. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. I'm Katie Sewell. I've been in the radio business for nearly 20 years, mostly working for public radio in the United States. In 2013, I quit my stable job and I moved to Rome for just a year. That's where this podcast begins. And if you're new, don't be afraid to start at the beginning. I'd hate for you to miss out on the adventure. That adventure might inspire you to do something crazy, like quit your stable job and move to Rome for just one year. And my co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer and author of Midnight in the Piazza. And she's also an expat who moved to Rome over a decade ago with the determination to stay whatever it took. She's also my childhood friend. I met her on the school bus in the sixth grade. I hope you like the show, and if you do, tell a friend and take the time to write us a review. And if you've listened to the show for years, consider a donation. Your financial support is huge to us. In fact, I can't think of a donation to anywhere that would be more appreciated than what it will be to us. We'll send you a handwritten thank you note, and in addition to helping us pay hosting fees and other bills, your support will help us grow the show, which is absolutely the key to this program continuing in the years to come. So if you love it, if we make your life a little better, please pay whatever you can to support the art that you enjoy. Visit thebittersweetlife.net on your desktop and click the donate button, or tweet us at bittersweetpod and we'll send you a link. Thank you so much. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, we are going to tackle... Sort of a question that we're asked a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I wanted to do this show because we get asked this so much. So I'm just going to read a sample email of the many that we've gotten on this topic. Okay. This email is from Anna and it says, I would like to move to Naples, Italy. Have you, Tiffany, talked about how you were able to move to Rome? Were you on a freelance visa? I'm a freelancer and a baker and I would love to know. So we get questions about how to move to Italy and specifically how you pulled it off and what you can tell people to do a lot because a lot of us dream about moving to Italy and we don't have dual citizenship and we don't have a way to do it. Yeah. So we constantly get this question about how can it be done? How can it be done? And you often, I'll forward them to you and you'll often write me back and say, I just don't feel like I'm qualified to answer this. I moved to Rome 14 years ago. The rules I moved under don't really apply anymore. But I was thinking maybe people don't really know how you got there specifically, and maybe you actually do have some advice in there that you don't know that you have. So we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah, I hope that I have something of value to offer because what you said, how you characterize it, is, is really how I feel quite often. Things have changed as far as how the borders are enforced. I mean, it's still Italy. It's not Germany. It's not even France. So they are 
Italians are a little bit more lax in general about rules, about enforcing rules particularly. But I, I've heard that they are a little bit more stringent now than they used to be. So how did I do it? And by the way, I just want to put out there that I'm not suggesting to anyone that they do it the way that I did it. <laughs> yes. Don't listen to what I did and take that as advice of what you should do, please. Yeah. But hey, I mean, you can always try. You can always go for it. I'm just not advising anyone to do that because I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. So I didn't have any legal way to move to Rome, at least not one that I could figure out. I didn't have any kind of a career that was going to offer me some kind of job, someone uh, hosting me, how do you put it, sponsoring me, uh, an Italian company sponsoring me, that's one way to do it. But I didn't have that as a connection. I didn't have any close family members in Italy, obviously wasn't married or engaged to anyone there. My grandmother was Italian. So I kind of thought, well, you know, maybe when I get there, I can try to see how to get citizenship through my grandma, maybe. I just went. I bought myself some travel insurance. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the only sort of practical thing that I did, although it didn't need it because in Italy, like the way that the health system works is if you have an emergency, the emergency care is free here and it's for everybody. Even tourists can go to the emergency room. That's like the one thing I didn't need was the health insurance. But anyway, I just bought myself a ticket. I did buy a round trip ticket because I knew that it would look weird if I had like, I was getting like a one-way ticket. And also there are many airlines in general that will not let you get on the plane if you don't have a return ticket. I found this out the hard way, by the way, once a couple years in. But just keep in mind, you want to make sure you have a round trip ticket and maybe one that's a little bit flexible so you can actually change the back end and maybe use it. I, of course, didn't use the back end of my ticket, but I, I had to have it. So I just bought this ticket for like, I don't know, nine months out or something like that or three months, can't remember. And I flew to Italy. Now, I did have a connection in Italy. I knew some people. And these were distant relatives on my mom's side who I've talked about a little bit. They didn't end up being very nice people. Um, I had a place to go. You know what I mean? I wasn't just showing up and going to have to be in a hotel or find an apartment right away, which can be really hard, as you know. Yeah. I did have that. And they were just like, what is she doing here? Like, why? I don't, you know, (laughs) from the Italian perspective... Italians move abroad. Nobody moves to Italy to to further their career. The Italians move to England or they move to America, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So I moved there and I went there, let's say. I went here. Yes, you're currently in Rome. Yeah, I'm in Rome. (laughs) Still living there. I'm just sort of picturing myself back like when I was doing it. And I had no way to work legally, but I did have a skill One skill. I just had one. (laughs) Um, No, I had more than one. I could have taught English. That was another skill. But I I never liked to do that. And I don't feel that I'm good at it. I was a yoga teacher. I still am technically a certified yoga teacher. So I knew that that was sort of like a skill that I could try to get work doing that. And the truth is, I was able to get work doing that under the table. It paid nothing. (laughs) Literally, I was making almost nothing. I wasn't working very much though, to be fair. I also found an apartment, but the apartment that I found was an apartment share. So it was the kind of thing where this girl has a three bedroom apartment and she rents out two of the rooms. So I was kind of subletting a room in a sense through her. I did eventually about two years later move into 
my quote-unquote own apartment in the sense that I was the one whose name was on the lease. But the lease was not legal. I kind of knew that at the time, but I kind of overlooked it. I mean, it's obvious to me now that it would have had to have been, I don't want to say illegal, but let's say not official lease because it's illegal to rent to someone who's living in a country in Italy illegally. You can't do it. Uh, you can actually get in huge trouble. They never once asked me if I was living there legally or not. They never asked for my passport. In Italy, the law says that if anyone stays in your home, even if you have guests, maybe not guests, but if you have paying guests, even for one night, if you run a bed and breakfast and there's someone there for one night, you have to take their passport and you have to report it with the police. They have to report that they're there. And that's why the hotels have to take your passport. These people, I lived in their apartment for like three years. They never, they never had my passport. How did you find them? Because that would have been important for you to find something like that. Well, I should say that when I found that apartment, I was already two years in. Like I had lived in Rome for two years. I spoke the language really well. I knew the neighborhoods really well. I knew how to read a newspaper ad for an apartment. When I first moved to Rome, I could have looked through those ads all day. I wouldn't have been able to make any sense of them. Mm -hmm. There's a newspaper called the Porta Portese. It's not really a newspaper. It's more like just a paper full of classified ads. That's all it is. And it costs like one euro or 150. And in it, you can find ads for buying apartments, renting them, people selling things, people offering services, personal ads, like any kind of ad you can imagine is in this paper. Not to date myself, but this was 2006. So yes, obviously there was internet, but it wasn't as much a thing. It wasn't as easy on the internet. Plus, I feel like in Italy in general, I would avoid just since, since this isn't just a story, but also supposed to be advice, I will give a piece of advice here. Don't use Craigslist in Rome, at least. A lot of things are scams and a lot of things are like vacation rentals. They're priced by the day or they're way overpriced or they try to make it sound like it's one price, but it's something else. Just don't bother with Craigslist. There are other sites like immobiliari.com, I think is a site that's reputable, but don't go with Craigslist. It's not like it would be in an American city. So I found them through a newspaper. Do you remember feeling nervous when you went to see this apartment that this would be a problem for you? Um, I don't remember feeling nervous. I thought, well, either they're going to ask and I will just like make up some excuse and then they'll never see me again or they won't ask. I found that in Italy, there are two types of people who rent out their apartments. The type of people who are super, super like by the book they want to have everything signed and dotted and totally registered and totally legal. Those are people in the minority, I'm sorry to say, but they are. It's because the taxes on our apartment rental is very, very high. You have to just pay so much taxes that it's almost not worth it to rent out your apartment. So most people don't want to have a legal contract because they don't, they don't want to pay the taxes. And so the people who do want this... They're afraid of getting caught. They're afraid of, you know, getting in trouble with the law. And so they, they do the legal contract. And as a consequence, they want Italians. They really, really want Italians. And I'm being broad here, obviously not every single person, but they want Italians because they, for whatever reason, they think it's better to have an Italian. All of the other people, people who kind of want to play the system, and hey, I'm not really criticizing because the taxes are kind of nuts, but they don't want Italians. They want foreigners. A foreigner doesn't know the law, right? 
a young American girl has no idea that if she were to realize that I'm, I'm talking like I'm the, I'm the owner, this young American girl has no idea that this is a totally sham illegal contract. And if she knew that, she would just stay in this apartment and she would never pay rent. Mm. And I could do nothing because if I did anything, I would go to jail, right? An Italian would know that. An Italian would know the law. And so it's too dangerous to rent to an Italian. So the reason I'm telling you this is because it's kind of funny when, my, just as an aside, when my husband and I were looking for our first apartment together before we were married, before I was an Italian citizen, half of the people did not want to rent to me and half of the people did not want to rent to him. <laughs> we couldn't find an apartment because either they were like, no, we don't want any foreigners or no, they didn't say it outright, but they're like, basically, we don't want Italians. <laughs> so honestly, though, I would say that as a foreigner, you, you have a bit of an advantage over an Italian in that sense, because... People are, are going to just assume that you're not going to try to scam them. I'm not trying to say that Italians are scam artists, but Italians think Italians are scam artists. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you decide what you think about that. Yeah. But I think you won't have a big problem getting an apartment if you're willing to like share with someone else. I don't know how easy it would be these days. I think they've gotten a little stricter on the rental laws. It might be difficult to rent your own apartment if you're totally living illegally. And again, I don't want this episode to be like, how to live in Italy illegally. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm just sharing my experiences. Yeah. I got by. I mean, I didn't have health insurance, but I knew that I could go to the emergency room. I luckily was very healthy. My first several years in Rome, I was just talking about it with a coworker because I've been sick so much lately. that I was like, my first three or four years in Rome, I don't think I ever got sick, not once, because I didn't have a doctor to go to. And I don't remember that ever being a problem. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously, at certain ages in your life, you're going to want to know that you have access to a doctor, not just an emergency room. And there are private doctors, and you can pay them privately. So it's not totally impossible. But it is something to consider, the yeah. health aspect of it. Because you could be a yoga teacher, and you had other jobs that you were able to do to be able to make money that were under the table kinds of jobs where you didn't need permission but you do eventually get a job where you're working now where you're writing with a magazine did that come after you were somehow more legitimate yeah yeah I would never have been able to get the job that I have now without legal status for sure and how did you end up getting legal status was that because you got married or why I don't really want to talk about it exactly because I'm not the only person who's involved and it wouldn't be right to bring someone else into it Yes. She's laughing. She's, I... Can you talk about it vaguely? Vaguely, someone sponsored me. Somebody said that I was their housekeeper and that I was their live-in housekeeper and paid taxes for me. I paid it, but, you know, the, the taxes that you have to pay when you have an employee. And that's how I was able to do it. Every so often, like every three or four years, the Italian government will... It's like they know there are a lot of people living over here illegally, particularly from third world countries who are working as professional caretakers or professional nannies or housekeepers, and that these people are not living here legally. And they will sort of like do something for like six months. They'll say, okay, if you're living here illegally, but you're a housekeeper or you're this or you're that, certain types of domestic work, if your employer will sponsor you and will pay taxes you can become legal. And I mean, it's really to the benefit of the Italian government to do that because these people who were before working under the table are now going to be working and paying taxes. And so 
it actually, from a practical standpoint, makes sense. And so I got in on one of those schemes. I was not technically a housekeeper, but we said that I was. But I'm not going to say who it was because I just don't want to bring anyone else into it. But that's technically how I got it. And it was a long process. You know, we had to like prove that person had enough space in their home for me to live there, that they made enough money, that they could pay me. It was a big, long bureaucratic process. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. If I had been able to get citizenship through my grandmother, I would have much preferred to do it that way. But my grandmother, my grandmother's parents, who were the ones who were born in Italy, had given up their citizenship when they moved to America. And so I was not able, and that was before my grandmother was born. So she was not born an Italian citizen. Uh, She was never Italian citizen. So I couldn't get it through her. And yeah, I could have gotten it through Claudio. I, I mean, I did get my citizenship through my husband after we got married. But, you know, we were not even engaged yet when, hey, you know, I've been here for four or five years. I want to be able to have a real job eventually. If I want to, I want to be able to do something more than just what I was doing, organizing and giving tours in a less than legal way. And so we did that. And then a year later, a year or two later, we got married. But it's it's not easy. I'm not going to sit here and be like, just make it happen. I mean, I'm the kind of person who says, just make it happen. Like that's a, that's a thing I would say, but it's not as straightforward as all that. And people are in different life situations. Like if you're 19 years old, go for it. Enroll yourself in a school and go for it. Even if you're 25, come and see if you can find work. See if you can, I have a friend who came, she came illegally, but she had a teaching certificate or she got a teaching certificate at some point to teach English. And she started working for a company and they liked her so much that after a certain period of time, they sponsored her and she was able to get her working papers through them. It does happen. You can do it. It's just, it's just not as easy as just crossing your fingers as you, as you arrive at the checkpoint, the passport control, and just hoping they won't ask you what you're doing in Italy and why you've been in Italy for 11 months of the last year. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And you do have to risk the fact that if you decided to go illegally, you have to risk the fact that you might be deported and you might not be able to come back for a good long period of time. And that's a risk you take. I know someone that it happened to. And then I know a story of someone I didn't know that person who it happened to basically when they were flying back and forth and they flew through, I want to say the Netherlands. It was a country in Northern Europe. And basically that country was like, uh-uh, no, I'm sorry. You've come in and out of Italy 20 times in the past five years. You clearly live in Italy. And they deported them. And they couldn't go back to Europe for like, I don't know, 10 years or something horrific like that. Yeah, and I mean, imagine the trauma of that. That's something you were putting yourself at risk for is you get deported. You can't even come back in and get your things or say goodbye to your friends. You're just yeah. out. That's it. Yeah, and I mean... I don't think it happens very often, especially in Italy. I think it's very rare, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's a reason to risk it. It just depends. It depends on what type of person you are. If you're the type of person you can risk something like that. And like I said, your life situation. If you're like a family with two little kids, maybe don't risk it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are an older person who maybe has health problems, maybe don't risk it. If you're 20 and have nothing to lose, I don't know. You have to think about it. Maybe it is worth it. And a lot of people who've done it, And most of them are married to Italians right now and have Italian (laughs) babies toddling around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Like myself. You know those people who like, 
become actors or they become musicians or whatever, or they're writers or whatever it is, but one of those sort of like desirable careers and somebody comes to them, somebody young and wet behind the ears says, I want to be an actor. What should I do? And the person who's done it says, don't do it. Just don't do it. Do anything else. I can kind of understand that, but it's kind of also unfair. You're sitting there having done it, having quote unquote succeeded at it, and you're telling someone else not to do it. It's just, it doesn't feel like authentic advice. I get where they're coming from because, geez, it's hard. It's like when you tell your friends who don't have kids, like, don't have kids, just don't do it. (laughs) When the truth is you adore your child and you would never, ever change the past. But yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things. It's one of those things. Does it? illegal immigration mm-hmm. given our political climate over here in the united states is such a huge topic right now i know i know i was thinking about that do you have a different perspective given the fact that you yourself were an illegal immigrant who decided to try to stick it out and make it work because you really really wanted to live in a particular spot yeah what's your point of view on this well i'm pro-immigration in the sense that i think that it should be more accessible not less. And I have nothing but incredible empathy and compassion for people who risk their lives and give up everything to come to the United States to look for a better life. I'm horrified at the way that they're being treated, like most people I know. Why do we think that just because we're Americans, we're the only ones allowed to have dreams? You know, we're taught you can do anything, you can be anything, you can achieve anything. Just do it. Just go for it. No matter what the cost, just if you can dream it, you can do it. Why do we assume that people from El Salvador don't have those same dreams and don't want to try to do whatever they can do? And their dreams are probably a lot simpler. Instead of like dreaming to have a Mercedes in the garage, their dream is probably like, I don't want my son to be in a gang. Which actually I wouldn't say is simpler. (laughs) No, not simpler. I I guess more modest. The Mercedes is the simple dream. I guess I I meant more modest, more... Not as um, like enriching or or grand, basically. Yes, not not as grand. I just want my family to be safe and happy. Yeah. I'm not going to say I don't see the rational side of it. You can't, you know, say everyone in will make room for you, will find room for you. But I do think that the people... The vast majority of immigrants in the United States, all the way back to our grandparents and great-grandparents, as far back as the settlers and all the way as recently as my Italian grandparents and all the way up to today, I think most of those people make huge contributions to our culture, to our society, to the workforce. And I feel like they bring more, way more than they take away I find it really sad that so many people can't see that. Well, I mean, it's interesting, too, that basically what you described, what your path was, was completely done in a way that conservatives would say is completely immoral and improper. Mm -hmm. And yet, in some way, because you're an American woman, we think, well, why couldn't she? And I think Americans sort of have that same thought, too, of, well, why couldn't I just go to live in Italy and make it work? It's my right to try. I mean, they can deport me, but yeah. And why why we would see us as so different than anybody else? It's like, well, at least it's my right to try. <laughs> like they can throw me back out, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Well, it's a huge part of our first world privilege. Yeah, thinking we have mobility in the world and thinking we can go anywhere. And the truth is, when you have the money to fly, it's much easier to cross those international borders. 
And when you are from particular countries and when you have a particular skin color, it also becomes easier. Not that that's right, but that's, you know, that's our privilege that we have. And yeah, it would be hard for me to think that someone was going to say, no, you can't, you can't live here. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> but I watched Room with a View when I was 12 years old. I've dreamed of living here my whole life. <laughs> and no, it's not because I, I can't find work where I live. It's because I want to live in a movie. <laughs> okay, so for those people who do want to live in a movie, do you have any practical advice about what they should maybe look into or what they need to somewhat know about if they're going to try to make a move to Italy? I think here's what I'm going to say to the people who want to live in a movie. Who I Hey, that was like the main reason I fell in love with Italy was a movie. Come for a short amount of time. Don't sell all your stuff. I'm not a huge storage person, but if you can do like storage for six months or a year, uh, or if you can find someone to sublet your apartment, even better. Come for a short amount of time. Live in the center, wherever you come, whether you're moving to Paris or Amsterdam or Rome or whatever wherever you're going, like live in the center of town, spend a little bit of extra money so you can really feel like you're living that dream, that movie dream, and live it and really do it. You might not like the full-time commuting, working, schlepping, bureaucratic, living in the suburbs aspect of that city. Not everybody does. The majority of people, I think, at least as far as Rome, the majority of people who come over here to live, they live here for like six months to a year and they do their little experience and they have some fun and then they go back because it takes a lot to move to another country that has fewer opportunities than yours. The wages are lower. There's a lot more bureaucratic nightmares. Obviously there are some bonuses. There are some really wonderful things, but like we've talked about it before, you know, sometimes that movie stuff, that living in a fantasy world, everything's beautiful, it's Roman holiday, it can wear off very easily when you're like crammed onto a bus with 30,000 stinky people, half of which are trying to grab your butt (laughs) and dragging yourself to a job where you work with people that you don't like and you do the work of three people because no one else in the office does their work and you're not making any money and it's Mm -hmm. we've talked about before that eventually life will catch up with you and eventually it will become life it will just become a regular life you might find that it's not worth it the beauty of living in Rome like maybe six months is enough for you maybe a year is enough maybe a month is enough I think it really depends on what it is that you love about that place is it skin deep Is it really just, oh, I love the cobblestones and I love sitting in an outdoor restaurant and listening to the accordion music? That's great. I love that too. But you can get that on a yearly holiday to Rome. Mm -hmm. You don't need to move to Rome and give up your career for that. But if it's deeper than that, and it probably would take time to discover that, then yeah, maybe, maybe it is worth it for you. That's great. We should should leave it there. That's a perfect ending. I hope that this was helpful and not just me like listing off the boring things that I did on my journey of living in Rome. Not at all. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. And and maybe someday we can talk more deeply about all the horror stories that happened within there. Oh, God. <laughs> there were plenty, let me tell you. But we'll leave that with that really good piece of advice, which I think is really, really great advice. Thank you. It's not discouraging nor encouraging. It's like right in the middle. <laughs> See for yourself. I like that. All right. We should leave it there. 
And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening and for telling a friend about the show. And thank you for your support financially. We can't wait to write you a handwritten thank you note to show you how much it means to us. You are spreading the word and supporting the show financially directly affects whether or not this program continues. So if you love it, support it. Find a donate link at thebittersweetlife.net or in our show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.